now, say now. You're tuned in to the Wake Up and Win podcast, and I am your host, Devon Pouncey. We are here at the Momentum Studios. Myself, Spencer Shea. So long, <laughs> farewell. I'll be the saying goodbye today. Oh, man. Hey, it's a beautiful day in Portland, man. It's Is it? It's kind of ugly. It's, it's raining. It's getting it's cold. A, the summer's dead hey, now. That's how, <laughs> hey, that's you sure how about it, that? That's how it is when I remember it, man. Okay. In the twinkle in All my right. eye of Portland. A bygone day, man. That's what it looked like, bro. This is the this is the the bottoms, dog. Welcome, welcome to the bottoms, dog. <laughs> is that what it is? This is, this is the bricks that made us out here, bro. <laughs> okay, all right, all right. Well, we'll see about that uh, in the coming years. I guess you could say, but uh, five to seven. Big win shares, big win shares, big win shares. This weekend, back to back nights. I'll be at Lulu Bar. Friday and Saturday. So the 29th, which is tonight, when you all will listen to this episode, as we drop on Friday mornings, I'll be at Lulu Bar 10 p.m. to late. I will also be at Lulu Bar 10 p.m. to late on Saturday night, September 30th. But during the day on September 30th, I'll be on the call. You can catch me on GoBoxers.com. 1 p.m. kickoff. I'll be calling Pacific University Boxer Football against that of University of Puget Sound. So a loaded weekend for me because y'all know we still keeping it rocking Sunday too. I'll be at Mermosa doing Mermosa's brunch from 11 a.m. until 3 p.m. Soon as I'm done with Mermosa brunch, striking it straight to Bible Club, I'll be there, I'll say 3.30. Usually it's 3 p.m., <laughs> but uh, they're going to have to, you know, give me a 30-minute grace period to get from DJing at Mermosa, rocking the brunch there to making my way across town over to Selwood at Bible Club, Revival Sel- Patio, Sel Vallejo. Vallejo. That's what we like to call it because the Vallejo <laughs> boys have been spending a significant amount of time in Selwood, and we're not mad about it. We're not mad about it at all. So I like it over there. Yeah, bro. it's a, it's a Milwaukee, great area. Bro. Milwaukee, bro. Yeah. Milwaukee area. That's a yeah, pretty cool place. Yeah, yeah. Fear the deer, huh? Yeah. I hear that's a hot spot. Yeah, I, I heard, spot, yeah, guys, I heard it's uh, Dame time over there, too, in Milwaukee. <laughs> Freak time. Freak time. <laughs> yeah, but for those, as a joke, because uh, I got listeners that ain't from Oregon there is actually an area called Milwaukee here in the Portland Oregon area so uh that's what he's referring to it's near Selwood it's basically the same area um it's all on that side of town but pun intended of course because Damian Lillard is now Milwaukee Buck so let's just transition straight into that let's start with your reaction first and foremost let's start I mean I've been talking about it you know obviously we'll get into all of that here shortly but um, I was on radio this morning with Justin, and I talked about it with him. But, Spencer, you're the resident Blazer fan here, so I want to kick it to you to start it off. What was your reaction yeah. with the when you heard the trade? How are you feeling right now in this moment as we record this podcast and you've had a day or so to sit on it? Well, I mean, I've ingested it, but I haven't digested it yet. Got I it. think that's going to take some time, mostly due to the fact that the deal isn't done yet, right? So – my instant reaction was like everybody's. It was shock and awe and amazement and wow, what a blockbuster trade. Well, that came. deal is done. <laughs> right. Yeah. No, but I mean, with I'm talking about specifically Drew Holiday because that yeah. will round out, you know, the return. I mean, because when you look at it on paper, you don't see a return that looked you know, juicy enough for to, to feed a I, Portland fan. I get what you're saying about Drew Holiday, not to cut you off, and, I, and I'm going to give no, it right good, back to you. Um, but... The Damian Lillard deal is done. 
And that, to me, is still more significant. But again, you are the resident Blazer fan, well, so I'm getting your perspective, and you're waiting to see what happens to Drew to determine how you and actually and how feel about this trade. How I feel about like the the, the quantitative, you know, value of the trade. That's what yeah. I have to wait for. But I mean, emotionally, it's like I love Dame. You know, yeah. I love Dame. Like he's a couple of years older than me, a couple of years older than you. Like, yeah. I was just watching that video that was posted that made it circulation, the little tribute video that was made up for him. For and, sure. And it's just funny, I mean, to see how young he was and, and you know, just like you look like a kid. He looked like a kid. It looked like a kid. Yeah. And you remember. Yeah, he grew oh, up yeah, here. he grew up here. Exactly. Grew and up so, here. And so I think with that, Portland fans grew up with him too, and there's a sentimental attachment. A generation uh, of Portland fans. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, 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 um, an interesting one too because, you know – my my emotional reaction is like I was saying at the beginning of the podcast, bro. Like I'm I'm a Portland Trailblazer fan. Right. It's in my lineage from the very first day. Yeah. I will be a Portland Trailblazer fan forever. No, whether I like it or not. Yeah. You know what I mean. So that and and being a Portland Trailblazer fan. I mean, I'm only 31, but I've seen 31 years of you know doldrums, highs, lows, a lot of you know, adversity yeah. and tribulation that comes with being in a franchise. And I think, you know, when I start to unpack all of the um, sort of, I guess, for lack of a better term, the drama surrounding, you know, sort of the the announcement on Wednesday, and then obviously the Damian Lillard uh, 5 p.m. to Milwaukee. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm saying. that It, it definitely sounds like an iteration of one of Drake's uh, time and location records, whether it be 4 p.m. <laughs> to Calabasas, 2 a.m. on Brittle Path, uh, whatever it is <laughs> you want to call it. The song is called Farewell that Dame released yeah, after a, he was traded. It's a cut. It's actually. a cut. It, he did, and, and that's at really high praise, actually. Like, we're making a joke out of, matter of fact, we're going to call it that. Five, well, 5 p.m. to Milwaukee, because that's about, I, the, that's that's about the time he relied. <laughs> That's about the time he released the song for yeah. dang sure. Yeah. Um, but no, so 5 p.m. to Milwaukee. We, we, we're naming that the episode anyway. today. But yeah, <laughs> it is still high praise from a musical standpoint because one of my favorite songs ever is 4 p.m. in Calabasas. Like, great song. ever. I mean, those are and, all great and Drake got busy. I mean, uh, Dame got busy enough on that record to even get that comparison. Obviously, yeah. he's no Drake, but no, no. good song. Good I, I song. Mean, look, it's look, called Farewell. Like I said, man, there's a, lot of, uh, there's a lot. There's a lot of emotional baggage and stuff that comes along with an 11-year career that had, you know, all to it that Dames has had, uh, you know, especially in relation to Portland. And I think with that song, like, I, I'm, I'm, I've been on this podcast on record and being, like, critical of Dames, like, musicality and his artistry. as yeah. like a, But I thought that he showed the most artistry that he's ever, you know, at least shown to me. Yeah. I mean, especially recently. His last project was getting there. Yeah. And this was great. And For sure. Dude, that that is a great skill and a great piece that he has. Yeah, he didn't he have can, to, he, he didn't can, have to write a player's tribute no, letter. No, no, exactly. And, and <laughs> yeah, that he can he was attach, able to spit it. That he can attach that to his career trajectory, to these hallmark moments in his career. I think it and was, his life. I think that's what mm. made it even more connective. Mm. Is that we again? He grew up here. Yeah. So the fact that he grew up here by default, it's been deeper than basketball because everybody's here, gotten to be attached to him, gotten to be attached to his family. Like his family is a full on part of this community. 
community here as well. And so he was able to speak to the nuances, the good, the bad, the highs, the lows, the adversity of his familial dynamic, along with what he's dealing with from a career standpoint. But they go hand in hand because he really grew up here as a man. Absolutely. I mean... It, you you mentioned his family, you know, and it's like I mean I know majority of them, right? Real good friends for with sure, and and they're around town and they're living their lives, you know, and so I think that's without any question, you know, is that Dame's you this know is home. his livelihood and his life and and his it's his home, home is is here in Portland, and so yeah. there is a relationship there. But at the same token, it's like Damian Lillard as a man who lives his own life. And the Portland Trailblazers as an organization of basketball and the Portland fan base as a, you know, a, consumer a, a, sentiment a, that, that that's like a shared consciousness, you know, like, yeah. none of those things are inextricably bound together. Yeah. And they don't have to be. And I think that that is, a, you know, a, you're doing a disservice to, you know, letting the emotional process and letting just like the, the, the narrative process happen by being. By, by making it that, by by binding these two things together, like, in this just totally, you know, insurmountable way. Like, a way that's never really going to be able to, to you're not going to meet that standard. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. That's not how any relationship works in any f facet of life. And so, I think it's good that Damian Lillard is going to go probably win a ring. <laughs> or yeah, at least get out the he, East he's gotta, in the next couple of years and have a genuine shot at it. Yeah. And I think that's great for him. For sure. For and sure. I hope he gets it done early so he can come back here and finish his career as a Blazer. I'm sure he would love that. Yeah, and he's retiring soon. I don't think he's no going to stick around. No doubt. The NBA. I don't think he wants and, to deal with the and, decline okay. of Damian Lillard. And I'm going to tell you why I think that. Not not no, to no, cut no, you go, off there, but go, I'm going to tell you why go, I think that. Yeah. Because – I also saw Damian Lillard on Instagram Live earlier today, and he made a statement. It was sort of a shot at the Blazers by saying he was he he always goes live. He's like listening to music when he's like training, when he's at the gym training. Yeah. He'll just randomly go live, whatever. Like it's a thing he's been doing, nothing new. And so it goes live today, and this is like pre-workout. And the, and so he kind of made a little joke at the end of the live, like, all right, y'all, and I'm obviously paraphrasing here, I got to get off live now. I got to go warm up for my workout because y'all know I'm, they say I'm getting old out here. That's the narrative is that I'm getting old out here, which obviously is a shout out to Blazers because they decided to essentially go young as an organization. They're, they obviously just traded their franchise player. They just drafted. They had the number three the pick number, in the draft, yeah. and they drafted a young fella in Scoot Henderson, already had a nice what is considered to be young core. And do remember, at the All-Star game, LeBron made a comment about Dame, about the youngsters that was playing in the All-Star game and that clip was circulating where Dame got at LeBron like, oh, yeah. yo, he said yeah, like, like I, I heard uh, you calling everybody a youngster. You ain't called me like, no youngster, bro. Like, I'm I'm a young I'm a young nigga, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, Brad just you like, ain't no, no you youngster. No you are not. So Trust there's me, something dog. I yeah. know. I know. <laughs> and so there's something years, up there for Dame where which I get it based on the production, 
He just had his best season that I feel like he's ever had For last sure. season. And also, we would have to consider the fact that he's essentially been playing injured for years with the core injury. Finally, he went and got the surgery, and he claims that his body feels as best as it ever has sure. because he's got acclimated to playing not at full strength. And then he went out and produced at a level to me that showed, yeah, I am still him, and I still got a lot left in the tank to give to this league, to give to any organization. I'm a 30-plus point-per-game scorer. But, and, and, and you know, so I, I get okay, the shot but, that he takes there. But he right, does but, feel like I'm still young enough and I still got it in that basically y'all choosing a different mission is, mean that y'all didn't bet on me and he I, feels some type of way about it. I think, man, that – well, I mean, first off – there were a lot of circumstances in his c career that have led to the point of it's like, damn, sure, you're 34 years old, big dog, and you're in the best shape of your life, and that's great, and you're the prime of your life as a man. Yeah. But in five years, six years, it's a wrap. You're not going to be Damian Lillard anymore, no matter what. And and it's not that's not a necessarily even if his slight decline is something to uh, akin to LeBron James's aging right. and his longevity. Which, yeah. which honestly, with a guy like Dame, who's been so bionic in the league over the course of his career, I could see that for him. Yeah, for sure. But the fact is, is that Portland did not have, does not have, the, you know, the 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 powder to explode something for Dame. Like, the f the reality is, based on all of the moves that had happened, and there's, I hate to say this word, fault on either side, with Dame maybe over-loyalizing himself, yeah. the word I just made up. No, 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 I don't or, disagree with or, that. Or Portland having, you know, multiple GMs shit the bed, excuse me, and, and, and some, have, have and, an owner die. Like, there's been so much happened. They yeah. have a new GM that was an interim. Like, there is so much to this story that... If someone wants to do a giant, you know what I'm saying, op-ed later on and For really sure. unravel the thing, be my guest. Yeah. I mean, I watched it, and so I don't think, I don't think that it's it's as big of like a, and it doesn't feel like it's like a big to do really at all. That it's it's just that's how the feelings are being expressed right now in yeah. like the immediate aftermath sure. of it. But it's like, dog, Dame, your career was gonna die here, bro. You were not gonna get a ring here. Because Portland was not not a free agency destination. He was still we, willing we to sink with the, the ship, money. though. Well, okay, but that's not. That's, but that's an individual thing. That's an that, individual. But I mean, in my what, opinion, that's it, still. Uh, but I'm going to tell you like this, bro. If I'm Joe Cronin, I would be like, dude, how I can't do you like that. Bet bag you out and to have you be like, okay, you express to me that you want to go play for mm, a contender. Interesting take. You want to go play for a contender. Yeah. And, and and obviously Miami. Why hell wouldn't you want to go play with Jimmy and Bam? That'd be awesome. But yeah. they are catting off. Yeah. And Pat Riley's puffing his chest out, acting like this is 1985. And Joe Cronin's like, dude, I got to make a name for myself too. Oh, yeah. And also, did you not notice that we just landed the highest like lottery pick that we're probably going to get in the next decade? We're in position for a rebuild. And we do not have anything on the front end to support – building through free agency and getting trades to put you in position here. There is a, you could, a lot of it's on Neil O'Shea. To yeah. Be, yeah. To, for to be sure. Totally real. I agree. 1000%. But you can't, but, but what's, what good is it going to do to point a finger at some dude who's doing soap operas again or whatever the hell he's doing? Yeah. Who cares? Right. You know what I'm saying? Right. And so, and so I think that Joe Cronin came out of that looking like an absolute G and he's doing the right thing going, okay, you know I, what I would do? I would be like, you know what? I'm going to do what is the exact 
Put it through the wizard machine and see what probabilities come out. This is the best for both sides. Yeah. It felt like that's something that's happened. Now, again, his medal of a GM, I'm reserving my judgment until what happens with Drew Holiday because I, I'm going to – because I want to give – hold on. Can I yeah. – let me, let me just cook you for one more cooking. second. You keep cooking. You're cooking. I'm not stopping you. Because I want – I'm to, actually going to ask you another question because too. Because I want to give – the I want to give the right support to this organization. I think that what Damian Lillard and what Portland have learned together and that growth together is that it's going to take a lot more than what it's already been built, not a detriment to what's been built, but there's a new chapter and a new series of challenges that need to be met. It's the Warriors' journey. You got to move home and go get some new knowledge. Portland needs to do that too as an organization to win. And so I'm not going to be like, all right, Joe Cronin, I'm going to give you the benefit of the doubt because you were in a tough situation. And I'm also not going to see that you went and got two, you know, stars and be like, oh, wow, you really, you know, made something happen on this Dame thing. Man, I, I need to see a lot more from you, bro. I need to see a lot more from you, from you, from ownership, from the the team, from this coaching staff. I mean, the Portland organization has... There's been some murmurings and some little incidents pop up here and there in the training staff. There's a lot of holes in the in the Trailblazer organization. And if you're going to start a, a new, then I think that this is a perfect time, at least for me. And you know me. Yeah. I've always railed against the yeah, whole yeah, of yeah. Portland. On about, this podcast. About what it requires to win a championship. Yeah. And we're in a position where I think through a guy like Scoot, I honestly believe through a guy like Scoot and a bunch of young guys and the way that they play the game right now, the way I see it, I'm like, oh, they look like some workers to me. Well, at least we could do is work to build something that's going to win a chip. And it, it wasn't going to be with Dame. And so that's just the long and the short of it. Here, here's I mean? my question because what I think all of this ultimately became was – either a miscommunication or a lack of communication. And I think I, I, I kind of caught some of that based on some of the lyricism and Dame's farewell record. Um, obviously, I know who I know as well. And so I've been able to speak to some people here and there and find out a little bit more like off-the-record information. But what I do seem to gather is that Cronin, who has publicly come out and – said that our goal is to build around Dame and win a championship, and we want Damian Lillard to be at the center of that. He did not move in that direction at all if we're speaking to his actions over time. Do you think that a there was ever— A short amount of time. A short amount of time, but, but time indeed. Since he said that, we have not heard him publicly say, we want to go into rebuild mode. But we have heard him publicly say, we're, we want to build around Dame and win a championship with him at the center of it. Do you think there was a lack of communication or do you think that Dame deserved maybe better communication and he maybe, maybe should and could feel some type of way for, for multiple reasons? Not on a personal level, but yes, some of it is partially personal, but also Dame can use that as fuel. As I mentioned, as he used the young kind of joke that he made coming out of the live sort of as fuel as well. Like, he knows how to use that and fuel, mo fuel and motivation I, to go cook because that's what he's done all along. Here. But I think there might have been a communication lapse from Cronin to Dame that led us to this point, and maybe all Dame wished for was a conversation. I, I, I think it was either NBA Central through Shams or something, but there was a report that yesterday or, or maybe this morning where 
they were saying that they that Giannis wasn't told about the Dame trade uh, before it happened, oh. so he wouldn't like feel some type of way about having to to, to lose Drew. Okay, where's the uproar with that? I mean, I I mean, to, if we're gonna if we're gonna split I, hairs I mean, here, I, I can tell you hairs here. Like it's it's gamesmanship. Like yeah, I, I bet you, dude. I bet you. If I'm being honest with myself, I bet you that I. In uh, in the position of him, I bet you I would be kind of nervous about saying something to Dame too, because I'd be like, "Yo, I don't know what move is going to be right here." Yeah, I mean, straight up, like to be I, honest, I can respect that as the answer. Like, I can respect that as an answer. I bet you, I'd be like, "Dude, I have no idea what to say to this guy right now." Yeah. because I don't even know exactly what I'm doing. Right, right, and, right. And and I, I mean, again, I'm but not, maybe I'm that's not, all Dame wanted to even hear. Maybe sure. Dame and, just and, felt and again, like, but you also know, at the same, I time, deserve I'm, to get that. Just the communication for piece. For sure. And, Whether and I between, agreed with it or not didn't matter, but I deserve to be communicated you know, with, man, to know what to prepare absol- for. Absolutely, bro. Be- because also you got to realize the position it put Dame in, not only from his attachment to this city, but look at all the drama that happened around Dame and his agent. And his agent now having to work to have these conversations around the league because they don't particularly know what's coming down the pike from this organization <laughs> that they've been super loyal to. So I, I, I'm just trying to no, play no. devil's advocate a Yo, little bit because that it, dude, put a not- little bit of a tarnish on Dame's name, his agent's name especially. Well, the Like, his agent's name is not that great around the league now well, I mean, from I'm what dead, I've been hearing. I mean, if it was me, I'd get a new agent. If that yeah. becomes that big of a problem. No, but, but, I mean, I mean, I mean, that's easier said than no, done. No, for, but, sure, for sure. But, you know, it's like they, they've already agreed and, to what they've agreed to, but at the end of the day, the brand and the th- name is Damian Lillard. Look, I'm poking the bear to a certain extent, too, but, I'm, yeah. to, but, but to be real, it's like, I, I, I don't know how the feelings between these two men or how many men I, I'm only speculating. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. And, and and if I did, I would be like, all right, man, that, again, like that's, com- that, that's communication, bro. And, we, and we've and been doing this. We sit here and do this every week and doing it for years. And we, we are professional communicators mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. That's not everybody. I, I, I hear mean, you. And, I'm just and, throwing and it so out there. <laughs> for, and I, again, I'm not giving anybody any, you know, benefit of the doubt on either side, Dame or that organization, because it's like, if it's a problem that there, that, that that's a communicative issue in organizations or in Portland specifically or whatever, I agree with you. You definitely do deserve to have somebody k- kicked some transparency at you and give you him of our people. Of course. Him of our people. Of course. I, I, yeah. And, him of our and people. And that's and that's why this trade is so crazy yeah. because the the ripple effect that this trade is going to have going it changes forward, the complexion of the league. And in a good way mostly. I, I agree. And through agree. Damian Lillard and the and the and I hate to use this type of verbiage but high character guy. It's like these NBA players, man. These <laughs> Yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I will say, on. I but, will say to the the comment that you made though about Giannis and where, wherever you may have saw that report about the Bucks not communicating with Giannis. I don't think they particularly had to, and the reason why I don't think they particularly had to is because Giannis has been so vocal about them needing to get something done for him to go out and win well, a championship. Hey, so with that, but hey, at Jack, that point, I mean, yeah, but, he's your but, franchise player still, but at that point, if if the move is we got to get rid of Drew, but we get Dame. Yeah, like, it's all good. It's all good. <laughs> but here's the thing, though. But here's you got to lose Drew here. That, I know you love Drew, but that, we can get you Dame. That shaking the hornet's nest yeah. that Giannis has been doing all summer, 
that's a page that Dame should have taken out taken of the book. years ago. Yeah. And so there's no coulda, shoulda, wouldas in this game. It's just what happened, and then you move on. And I think that you know, like I said, if they're gonna if if there's gonna be like a hey, we should come together and like talk about this communication thing, then you should like I don't know, do it through the the players association or something. Like really get something you know figured out here because. There should be more transparency. There should be more transparency in it because if there was, then you would get <laughs> better value on players. I, I think. I think interestingly. I, I think interesting, <laughs> interestingly enough, too, though, is that like with this being a players' league, I do think there's Sorry, an I element slipping into a bias. I do think I there's an element <laughs> of. I do think there's an element to actually come to the front office defense here. Not I, I'm I'm siding with Dame and all of this, but to play even devil's advocate to myself, when it comes to these front offices, the players can sometimes, because they've been kind of treated in some ways not so great based on what we just label as the business, and I say that with air quotes, now that it is sort of becoming a player's league, at some point front offices do have to show I'm in control of what my position is, especially some of the newer GMs like a Cronin, because that sets the tone for whatever is to come next and him being able to take the onus and the accountability for whatever moves that he's going to make in that position without, in some cases, being overly influenced by whoever the next star may be, whether it's Scoot Henderson, whether it's Shaden Sharp, whether it's Anthony Simons, you name it you still want to be in that position because sometimes when the players do end up being wrong, once they get their way, they back off and say, well, it wasn't my job or it wasn't my position to be able to make said decision. But you had the influence to be able to make sure that said decision was made. And sometimes they back away from that when they do the wrong thing. So I actually do like that, you know, owning kind of, flexed up a little bit and let it be known that Cronin, this is this is my show here as a GM and I'm I'm gonna step fully into it. I'm no longer an interim. And now it's on it's on my back what happens with this organization. And 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 that is the key, isn't it? That's what really it's and, a I, thing. and I can't it's a thing. wait and I can't wait to start, you know, documenting that here on this very podcast. Yeah. Wake up and win. We because, will. you know, I I wanna see. I'm like, you know what, Joe? Okay. This is where GMs play fantasy. Then play yeah. fantasy. Then get get. It. I miss Dame, though, man. Jeez, I'm, I miss Dame. Of, co- of course, we all will. And it's not we even going to feel the same watching games and not seeing this. That feeling of just like, dude, at any moment, this guy can do some shit that you've never seen before on a basketball we, court. We've, we've been spoiled by that, and, and especially because Blazer games tend to be a lot more regional. Now we about to see Dame on a bigger stage. He's probably gonna get twenty nationally televised oh, games man. this season playing with a the lot Bucks. Of people still don't even playing really alongside. Know. Yeah, some. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> I, I think. Really I do think for da- especially from. I, I don't think he gets enough credit for how good of a true point guard he mm. actually is. Oh, we always that. talk about Dame the sniper, Dame the scorer, Dame, you know, who the can clutch. go, who can, the clutch Dame. We don't really talk enough about how good of a point guard Dame actually is, which is why he confidently said he was the best point guard in the league when he was just on 
Cam and Mace podcast last week or whatever. So it's like we have seen Dame thread the needle a lot around here. But most people, because he doesn't get nationally televised airtime, they don't go with that narrative and they don't realize that because he has he's had no choice but to thread the needle based on what it was that he had to work with. Now, all he's got to do is put it in the area. He's got Giannis yeah, that's going to receiving in. He's got Brooke, Brooke Lopez, Lopez, who's the biggest target arguably Bobby in the NBA. Porter. Crash Bobby Portis will crash. You know what I'm saying? Like, now y'all are about to see, man. He's, he's more than just a store. He's a phenomenal pick and roll point guard, yeah. and he is a phenomenal true point guard. Right. That is the position that he has played very, very well. And if you think him just being a lighted up scorer is the only thing that led him being able to take this team to the playoffs damn near 10 consecutive years, you're not giving him enough credit he, for who he is, which is probably why you're one of those people that don't think he's a top 75 NBA player of all get, time as well. He's that dude watch. at that point guard position, man. And we get, we get to see it night in and night out around here, but again, because he doesn't get out of nationally televised airtime the world doesn't particularly know that yet and He's I think they about get... to fuck around and find out that Bucks team is coming out the east in my opinion yeah they're not gonna be and, and 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 obviously at that point if they win a championship none of us should be surprised I He's going to get, first off, Dame's going to get more triple doubles this season than he's had his entire career. In Portland. Yeah. 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 Well, it's Market. already been in Portland, but yeah, 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 for sure. For sure. Secondly, they're going to be. I'm not be, mad at that. They're going to be such a dynamic offense. Yeah, that's going to be great. I just don't know who's going to be able to put something together. Funnily enough, like, obviously the glaring hole that they would have is like sort of front court defensive issues, a la Dame Lillard's just sheer presence but yeah. you know a guy like uh uh drew holiday <laughs> you know that's what you kind of need to to really thwart a damian lillard front court because he's yeah. really the only guy yeah, he's, he's really he's the only the guy killer yeah yeah he's the killer he's dame killer that's why he's got one too aside from dame that's why drew holiday has a championship and i said that because last week when Mark Spears came out and made the reports and I've been on Justin's show every Tuesday and I obviously went on today just because the news was big enough for the basketball analyst at the Rip City Morning Show to come back on the show and break it down. But as I've been on Justin's show, um, you know, we've been obviously following this all summer. And the reality of it is when Mark Spears came out last week and reported there's a sneaky team that has essentially entered the chat, if you will, in regards to wanting to trade for <laughs> Damian Lillard. We did a segment on on radio where we were guessing who. There was Philly thrown out there. There was Toronto was thrown out there who started getting the most noise up until the trade was actually made. For me and Justin, too, because Justin more so, he had him as his wild card. And once he acknowledged that was his wild card, I was able to step in and say who my team was. And it was indeed the Milwaukee Bucks because of the comments that Giannis had been making. And Dame's made him before. And, you know what I'm past. saying? They and, and both. They, they like each other. I mean, you know what I'm all saying? All-star like, game? All-star game? Giannis yeah. First pick, Dame. Dame Dollar. First, he's going to be the closer. Like, like, there's been comments there that, you know, on both ends that the those two wouldn't mind playing with each other. And so now them getting that chance, oh, the league, y'all better shiver and y'all better quiver because I'm telling you, it's not going you know to be crazy, easy bro? beating them at all. I mean, Boston, Boston 
Good luck. It's a good team. But I'll tell you. Good luck beating that. It's going to be tough. It's going to be tough. It's going to be real tough. It's going to be tough. They're big. They've got sides. And now they finally have a player who can truly and genuinely stretch the floor. And like I said, I don't think y'all give Dame enough credit for how good of a point guard he actually is because y'all just don't see him enough to know. Y'all haven't seen him enough to know because he doesn't get the airtime that y'all need to understand really how great this guy oh, is. It's going to be Dame time all the time now. It's going to be good, man. It's going to be Dame and time. And I really want to see him now. win a championship there. If the Warriors don't win it, I want to I want it to be the Bucks. I was there, man, last November. I was uh in Fiserv and I was watching the Milwaukee Bucks and you know, great new stadium over there. Milwaukee kind of got some good food around there. It's a little bit of a, you know, quiet city, but you know, Portland's sort of known for that. I think Dame's going to fit in real, real, real good over there. Yeah, I agree. He's going to turn the city up yeah. in a way that, yeah. you know, only a motherfucker from the Bay can really do. He, yeah, because he can <laughs> so, adapt. He's going to be able to adapt in ways that most can't. <laughs> it's going to be a good time for him, you know. And when he gets that, when he gets that ring, it's going to be a special, it's going to be a special thing for him. He's going to have a special attachment to Milwaukee. Cool. You know, like I said, man, I'm I'm trying to see what's up with Scoot and Shay. I'm I'm here, man. I'm gonna be sitting here watching these guys get it in because I'll tell you, like I'll tell you this. Yeah, Portland is a very good young roster developed, and if we fill the coffers right, <clears throat> then really, if you look at it, we look like a Sacramento. What through two or three years ago, or a OKC, you know, a year ago or two years ago, like. These new GMs and these and these new you know uh, uh, wave of sort of basketball minds and executive and and front office positions. Yeah, they're they're doing it. They're doing it. They're yeah, doing it's a good it, league. The league is continuing to thrive. Like, yeah, and it's continuing and, to thrive. And there's a wealth of a bunch of young talent. And well, I think especially all since, over the especially place. since they've allowed guys to go play in that G League and goes and they and they're more receptive to the fact that the world is getting better at the game of basketball. So we need to allow these players to go play, play professionally and the pipeline no longer has to be primarily the NCAA. I think that's done wonders for the NBA and the talent pool that's coming into the league with the that fact that they've accepted it, which is pretty on brand for the NBA is that they tend to follow trends as a league really well. And that and that may be one of the things that I hate, although I hate analytics in totality, I do think in some cases analytics helps inform uh, it helps inform some of the decisions that they've made as a league and a lot of them have been the right ones and I can't hate on that. I I do agree and I wish that there was a little bit more I mean, there's a lot of ethical reasons why ultimately I would be against my own thought, but I wish that there was a little bit more like fantasy aspect to the league and teams did have a little bit more autonomy because, I mean, dang, I want to see LeBron and Steph Curry play a season together and see. I want to see Dame and Giannis. I want to see all the combinations that I can. can. The all-star game is not enough. I want to see this in real application. And, you know, when... 
the the current setup right now is, it, you know, I, I don't necessarily agree with like the loyalty. I've been seeing all these memes going around Twitter. It's like, who the most loyal uh, player in the league now? Steph Curry. No, it's like, just no, first no, off, yeah. why is this this dude's yeah. playing golf right now? Yeah. Why did you stop posting this man yeah. on your time? Shout out to Steph Curry though. He coming out with a uh, with a Mac Dre doc. Oh shit! He's, what? he's producing it. Okay. And and I guess hard pivot out of Dame. Congratulations, Dame. Go get you a chip. Yeah, we'll see. We, we'll we, see we love you. We appreciate you. We'll you see, cannot be replicated, duplicated, or none of the cadets. You are him, not them. You are an absolute one of one. This market will miss you. I'm glad to hear that this market will still continue to be home for you in the off seasons and in the summer because I, I, I feel like that's good for you because – you know, you've grown up here, essentially, and I feel like it's good for this market because this market has never had nothing like you. You've been an absolute leader around here on top of the greatest bucket getter, the city of Portland, and I would maybe even go as far as saying the Pacific Northwest has ever seen. So go get you one over there in Milwaukee. But Steph Curry dropping a Mac Dre doc might have just made him my favorite athlete of all time. <laughs> He already was my dog. I still couldn't quite put him ahead of Kobe, but when he did that, yes, that's when he did that, that's that. Because a a lot of people don't really understand it, and I don't want to stay stay long on this topic because I want to get to this WNBA MVP race. But because a lot of people don't truly, genuinely understand the legacy of Mac Dre, in my opinion, my hope for this doc is that this shows. His actual influence. And here's why I say that. I'm from Vallejo, California. I lived in every part of Vallejo, California, but I spent a significant amount of time being raised in the country club, Chris, which is the same neighborhood that Mac Dre is from. I'm family with people from that Diaz label, from people in Mac Dre's camp, blood related. Like I am Vallejo for real, for real, which is also, why, again, I've lived in every part. I got family from the south side of Vallejo to Beverly Hills, where E-40's from. When I tell you I'm Vallejo through and through, I am Vallejo through and through. Now, with that said, a lot of the stories of Mac Dre that have been told have been told from the lens of his friends because him and his friends kind of did this thing together in a lot of ways. You know, they the Romper Room gang, you know, which has like a lot of American gangster element. They were on American Gangster. When American Gangster did a BT, the BT did the American Gangster series. They did one on the Romper Room gang, gang, which was his crew. And obviously a lot of those people are, are still alive to be able to tell it as well. But we hear enough about the people around him, which are a very pivotal part of his story. I'm not saying they aren't, but I still think that there's another level that the story can be taken to about him and his actual influence. And I feel like his mother, who is partnering, who who owns his estate now in his death and is partnering with Steph Curry and his production team to ultimately produce this new doc that is coming out, I think she's going to put a lot more of the focus on Dre rather than him just being sort of the centerpiece for everything else that was going on around him. Because quite frankly, A, he's not alive to tell his story. So you need the story to kind of be told from his mother to really, really hone in on her son and not just what his crew did, 
good, bad, or in between, but him and how special of a talent and an individual and an artist and and everything else he was that led to him having this great influence in the Bay Area and, and beyond in a lot of ways, but in some ways not beyond enough because a lot of people that don't really know or understand his influence don't respect it enough to pay him his respect because they may not particularly like his music or understand his lingo and, and it just might not be their vibe, if you will. Matt, Mac Dre's probably in my top five. Oh, yeah. He's definitely in my. He's my personal. F- uh, here's what I say. Lil Wayne is my GOAT. Lil Wayne is my greatest rapper of all time. Mac Dre is my favorite rapper of all time. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, so like that that would sort of be mine if I like who's your greatest my greatest rapper of all time is Lil Wayne. Period. My personal favorite rapper of all time though is Mac Dre. Too much too much game and and I understood it obviously on a much more much intimate game. on a much more intimate it's level much, because much it came from where I came from. So shout out to Steph Curry. You are now probably my favorite athlete what of all time. What is it called? Um, I don't know what it's going to be called yet. It's, just, they just announced that they're producing one. Um, but it is happening. But I don't know what the title oh, of it hard. is going to be. It's happening. It just got announced today, in fact, that it's being produced. It doesn't have a release date, any of that information yet. So I don't know what the title of it will be. But shout out to Steph for that. Now, this WNBA race, I do want to talk about it. Um I think it's important. I think it's significant to discuss on a a basketball front, but also a social front as well. Um, Brianna Stewart, New York Liberty, is the MVP of the WNBA. It was a very, very tight race. You had Alyssa Thomas from the Connecticut Sun. You had Asia Wilson from the Las Vegas Aces. I do think it is fair to acknowledge that Brianna Stewart is white. Thomas and Wilson are both black. Um, Now that that information is out there, Spencer, how do you feel about the result, the end result being Brianna Stewart? And I want to acknowledge that the voting, the way that the voting system works for the MVP voters, I think this is great context to know before we dive deeper into this conversation is you get first-place votes that are worth a certain amount of points, second-place votes that are worth a certain amount of points, and third-place votes that are worth a certain amount of points. And whatever the totals of those points are, whoever has the highest total points from the voters is the one who actually wins the award. Now, in Alyssa Thomas's case, she had the most first-place votes, Points-wise, she had the most first-place votes. She didn't have more total points, though, than Brianna Stewart. And then in Asia Wilson's case, people just felt like she ain't get enough love because, you know, she she was third place in the race at large. And a lot of people feel like she's arguably, if not just flat-out, the best women's basketball player in the world. And she's the best player on the best team. Where do you stand on what the result end up being and sort of the controversy between the fact that Thomas did get the most first-place votes but ultimately did not win the award and Asia Wilson ended up being third in the race and a lot of people don't feel like she's third in the league? Well, uh, you said the word, controversy. Yeah. A great song. Shout out to Prince. But also makes for really good engagement. Yeah, I would <laughs> so, agree with that. Uh, as far as, you know, who's deserving of being MVP or not, I mean, 
You're the, you were the one that rocked with uh, Brianna Stewart. You called this uh, and, and, two months ago or more, and, and I'm still rocking with her. Brianna, and and she and, looked like an MVP to me. Yeah, all three of them did. So let's start there. Whoever won, I personally wouldn't have been mad at. Right, Alyssa Thomas, she just averaged a nearly killer, a triple double, most triple doubles ever. It's like the Russell Westbrook story. Yeah, the year he won MVP, even though his team wasn't that great, and her team is good. Went to the champion to the finals last year. Yep. playing right. Right now, right now. Uh, against the Liberty, they're they're still in the playoffs currently. Right now, she's got a good team, and she's certainly dri- the driving force. I love that. That makes them good. Team. Absolutely. Team. So she would have deserved it had she won it. Asia Wilson, best player on the best team. Period. The Aces have been dominating the league. Multiple period. MVP. I mean, she's already won MVP. So now Brianna Stewart, though, where I can make a case for Brianna Stewart is. She has caused a very significant turnaround in a very significant market, which is the New York market, a team that was below 500 a season ago to now having the second best record in the WNBA this year. On top of the fact that obviously she is phenomenal statistically, on top of the fact that head to head, she beat Asia Wilson, who a lot of people would deem the best player in the world both times. So I'm not mad at her winning it either. I'm not mad either way. Do I think that, and I don't even want to go as far as calling it race baiting, but do I think the controversy being social does help with the engagement, as you just mentioned? Absolutely. Definitely. And proof of that. It's not going unnoticed. It may not be, you know, implemented as like a tactic yeah, per well, se. Yeah, but- yeah, exactly. That's why I don't want to particularly like use the term race, race baiting. baiting. Yeah, that's a little Because I don't think it's that, but I do think that it's acknowledging racial. that it's racial for sure and that acknowledging that it it there is a racial element to this but, that but Devon, it, 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 it helps for more engagement. I mean, we all watched the NCAA yeah, women's basketball you. tournament thank last year. Heck, we're all watching that. Coach Prime and right now and how that's that. become social yeah. and racialized in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. And here it's happening again in the WNBA. And quite frankly, it made for great viewer- viewership. Um, Tuesday's Sun versus Liberty game was the most viewed WNBA, WNBA playoff game on cable in 22 years. Um, and so, yeah. That, <laughs> like, and the then numbers. the Aces in the Wings game was the seventh most viewed playoff game on cable in 22 years as well. So Boom. there you go from an engagement yeah, I standpoint. Mean, this is, and, and it's not this a bad conversation good. to have, and we need to not be so sensitive about having these types right. of conversations. That's the part. If everybody learns to not take these conversations so personal, maybe you wouldn't want to get rid of critical race theory. And maybe if you took critical race theory, you wouldn't get so uncomfortable when situations like these arise. I mean, I think it's it's you're supposed to do it in sports. I think these Definitely. are supposed to have these conversations. It's probably here. the best place to do it. Yeah. I mean, and it's getting look, it's getting a little you know, it's getting a little charged up. It's it's been brewing for a while. It's been getting a little charged up, but it's like I think that I really at the end of the day, I think that it's like, I mean, first off, let me just for a quick second, let me just do a little aside. Like, it's great for the WNBA to have this problem that you have so many good players that are everyone's arguing about who's actually the best, dude. That's good. You want that? Keep keep more of that. 
yeah. more of that. They should just do. And you know what, bro? The NBA has been through this before. What should Kathy should do is just call Adam and be like, "So, what do you guys do? Just like draw a name out of a hat of the top five guys?" <laughs> because it's like, you know what I mean? Like there are stretches of time when it's like obviously LeBron is the best, or obviously Steph Curry's the best, or obviously Jokic is the best, and they're not. You're not just going to give them an MVP every year, yeah? Because that's boring and that doesn't make people want to go watch. So it's like, all right, maybe there's a little bit of that. If, if, like you said, if there, if race can be used to pump it up a little bit, oh shit, I'm sure they do that. I'm not mad yeah, at I wouldn't it even because be- because it is a chance for you to genuinely be able to learn. And because it's if a you legit can put, thing, it's a legit thing. It has influence and like, impact on how this entire world and nation operates. And the longer that we try to resist that or refute that, the longer that you'll be able to, that you'll be stuck in a place where it always becomes personal for you because you won't open your eyes to realize what actually is and what's actually happening and that's why I think sports is the best place to have these kinds of conversations because it is one of the most cross-cultural industries in the world part of what I think also helps to have the conversation in a genuine and authentic way is how cross-cultural and how diverse the industry of sports actually is but understanding the economic side of it and how and the influence and the interest that that has and who maybe gets privileges when it comes to some of the economic aspects of sports and acknowledging who it actually is that makes the sports happen and that produces the sports as a product aside from the business that's attached to the product that makes it all that that much more industry interesting for me in terms of being able to grow and understand i tell people all the time growing up i was not into politics as heavy as political work as i knew do right now in this day and age growing up i was not a dude that was into politics it took for me to take a politics and sports class at pacific university shout out to dr jules uh jules boykoff who took that who was my professor um for that class and me taking that class gave me an interest into politics that i never had because i was able to use sports something that i can relate with as the gateway to have those conversations. And now from there and since then, I've been able to do world-changing things unimagined and be a part of things so unimagined in this world and making the world a better place from a legislative standpoint, a social standpoint, so on and so forth. And I am so grateful for that, that I've been able to leverage my influence as somebody that has been attached to sports my entire life to something greater and bigger than sports. I wish people, I wish people would be more willing because I understand for a lot of people they use the excuse that sports is their distraction to get away from the real world. Real world. I wish people would acknowledge how much of the real world sports actually are and just be open to even if it is a distraction for me, I don't have to quench the fact that it may be the entryway for somebody else to ultimately become world changing. That I, I just, it, it's so personal to me. You know what I'm saying? So seeing this, seeing the engagement, seeing these conversations, I love that they're happening. Yeah, I can speak about the basketball too. Like I said, I don't have a problem with either one of the three winning the award. And you know what? I even more so don't have a problem with the other two that didn't win the award feeling snub because, damn it, it's going to make for better playoff basketball. We got a 1-1 series with the Sun versus the Liberty right now. Asia Wilson is just scoring 
scoring 30 point game after 30 point game after 30 point game because she's got something to prove. It's making for a better product. I'm here for it all. And I believe personally, Stewie, I've been saying all year long, I think Stewie and the Liberty are going to win the title this year. This is fantastic. (laughs) (laughs) This is fantastic. It's great. You know what I'm saying? Like, I love this for the sport. I love this for me. And it's we're going to have to start to get away from the excuse that there aren't enough storylines or that the, the game isn't good enough or quality enough it's, for us to get interested into it because things like this prove that wrong. I mean, the fact is, is that when you ignore anything, you know, you j- and you and you sweep things under the rug, it just does a disservice to the people that are involved. Like, for years, people just didn't watch the WNBA. They didn't, give, yeah. they didn't care at all what was going on in women's sports and yeah. women's basketball. For sure. And now that it's and now that it's you know getting more you know publicity, it's like there are problems that everybody faces, or there are you know there are you know issues that yeah. are, are are present in all of these facets of life. And it's yep. like, bro, if you just continue, if we if we just continue to, especially in sports where it's like served up as to us on national television, on our phones all the time, and it's in games for children that we're able to have these moments of levity and, like, realization of, like, oh, shit, we're having, like, there's a bit of a race race sort of thing going on, a playing out in front of us, or or a gender thing playing out in front of us, or a... Whatever, whatever the issues may arise, and take it, it as choose, an opportunity. If to you learn. choose to ignore that, yeah, instead then, of learn from it, then then all you're doing is just making it worse. Like, I mean, I know this is a little bit of a hard pivot, but it's like, you know, even with like the naming of, uh, you know, sports teams after like Native American, you know, uh, iconography or, or yeah. figures. It's like, so you'd you'd rather t- remove all of that. Ignore all of the injustice and all of the travesty committed to those people. Getting them out of the NFL, which every American glues their eyeballs to. You'd rather ignore all of that, although you guys make billions of dollars. Wouldn't you want to just kick the money to that? Like, you know what I mean? Wouldn't yeah. you want to do something positive and accept these things and, yep. and, and put them in a light? Where you were wrong. And, 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 and be yeah. able to do something positive to it? But no, of course not. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah. And, and the thing about the WNBA, and we've talked about it on this podcast so many times, that they are the most forth, you know, forward thinking yes. and ahead of the curb in, in social yes. issues anyway. They're the most social and culturally competent league in arguably in, the world, probably, definitely in this country. Definitely in the country. And so it's like it is imperative that we have these conversations yeah. and, and go and ask and say, tell me more about that. Let's yeah. figure this out. Because for sure. Because the WNBA is going to figure it out for us. It's in terms of social policy and cultural policy as it goes in these professional leagues, man. I mean, I truly believe that. And so, and like you said, it's it's also just good content and makes for better basketball. Like, I'm not, let's not sit here and act like it wasn't amazing to watch Caitlin Clark play the way she played and then watch LSU come and destroy them. Yeah. I mean, it was amazing. Compelling. And and it's even more compelling that we get to look forward to seeing them do it all over again uh, this season. It makes it that much more compelling. It was even funny because I I saw, I'm a first off, let me be clear. I'm a fan of Stephen A. He puts himself out there every day publicly to get criticized. So obviously I won't agree with everything that about Stephen A, but I watch Stephen A. I listen to his podcast. I respect his path and his, journey to getting where he is today and quite frankly I think he is uniquely talented and definitely qualified for him to be where he's gotten to to this point today isn't he's not a fraud in my opinion 
But it's funny because I do because I do watch Stephen A. I got to see him start to sing a different tune. Where in the past, when it came to women's sports and the WNBA and the lack of coverage that it may get on a show like his, in years past, his excuse was, "Well, maybe the women need to step up more and to amplify the sport more to make it to where it's going to reach to wherever I am and talking about it." Now he's singing an entirely different tune. Now he's singing the tune of, you know what? This thing is growing. It has gotten to that place that I was saying that it took more women to get it to. So now I have to take on the responsibility to tune in, tap in, watch this stuff more, pay attention to it more because it's the real thing. And I need to acknowledge it as as such. And I, I appreciate, although I didn't agree with him then in a lot of ways, I do appreciate the fact that he was able to acknowledge the growth of it. And now he doesn't feel like he's too big time to invest his own time which probably is very limited because I understand he's a busy guy. He's got a lot going on, but to now invest his own time into the continuously improving quality that is the product of the WNBA, uh, the product that is the WNBA. So well, I mean, I'm here a, for that. Yeah, and you're a smart, you know, patron or fan or especially journalist to continue to pay attention because it's growing. It's <laughs> only growing. It's only getting bigger. It would behoove we, you to do that, Stephen A. Absolutely. If you want to continue to like have everybody hear what you're saying and care. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> going in the future. 100%, 1000%. <laughs> yeah. Um Usher performing at the Super Bowl. What you think about that? I, I love tight. every bit that's of tight. it. Usher, he's he's my goat. He's my generation's goat. This is a this is one of them Super Bowls. You don't want to bring your wife or your girlfriend. You just say me and the guys are going because Usher gonna snatch that up. All right, that's what he does at the <laughs> Super Bowl. Hey. He gotta be he ballsy if he do that at the Super <laughs> well, Bowl. Well, what is he gonna play, dude? He's he, he most you do that at the residence. You do that at the residence. You don't do that at the most Super Bowl. Most of his bro. catalog <laughs> is freakum time music, bro. Yeah, freak but city. he's also gonna be on the field. He's not gonna be have access. He's just gonna most do, of those yeah. people that that's, hey, he's just most of those do, people yeah, that's worth oh him god. trying to knock is gonna be up in a booth he's somewhere. Yeah, and oh my god, I'm just telling you, most of those people you speak of will be up in somebody's booth because that's. Super Bowl is going to be crazy in Las Vegas. I will say I called it. I called it. I may have called it on this podcast. I know I've called it called on Usher. the Justin and Devon show. Yeah, I've, I've said oh, that oh, Usher yeah. will be the next performer oh, of the shit. Super Bowl, especially because it was in Las Vegas, the success of his residency, um, so on and so forth. Like, I I, I that called that. We were having an entertainment conversation on Justin's uh, radio show. Uh, we were talking. It was back when I was saying like Steph Curry is the greatest entertainer in the United States of America today. When he had that fifty ball game, then we start talking oh, right. about Taylor Swift and Usher. The conversation just spiraled, and I mentioned that Usher will be performing. Every time at the you Super get to Bowl Taylor here. Swift, your conversation is spiral. It's spiral. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> which, with what she's off. doing with the NFL and Travis Kelsey right now. My goodness, <laughs> she she's her right now. Um. Lastly, real briefly, before we get out of here, congratulations. Congratulations to Usher. It's my favorite R&B artist ever. Yeah, me period. too. Period. Uh, ain't no fans are busting like, about, it, about it. The only competition is no longer competition um, because he decided to disqualify him from being able to be on my list or in my sets. And if you don't know who that is, yeah, yeah. good, because you shouldn't want to know who that is. But um, with that being said... I did go to the game last week. We can't not acknowledge oh, that. Yeah. I went to the game as much, Dion, as I we've been talking almost. the last couple of weeks. I went to the game in Eugene. I watched Colorado 
just get absolutely destroyed by Oregon. And here's what I got to say. I don't feel any different about Prime now than I felt then. So all the support that I've given to Prime over the past however amount of time I've been giving them support, that hasn't wavered. I do want to give a shout-out to Coach Dan Landing, though. And if you remember on last week's podcast when we had Justin on the show I kind of asked him about the chess match between the two head coaches and the way that they were approaching the week. And I think Lanning absolutely killed that chess game between him and Coach Prime all the way down to the pregame speech, which ended up, which ended up being a little bit controversial when he said, you know, they're rooted in flash, we're rooted in stuff, substance, they do it for clicks, we do it for wins, so on and so forth, the whole viral pregame speech. At Oregon, he said all this. <laughs> yeah, at Oregon, right, right. It was some irony there. I don't, agree, I don't agree with everything that he said. I will say, though. I agree with that ass whooping. I, I agree with that ass whooping, <laughs> and I agree with the timing of when he said it. Mm. He didn't say it earlier in the week to allow Dion and his guys to take it personal because obviously we've seen how successful they've been when they take things personal. Heck, Shador even came out on first take when Shannon asked Shador, like, how do you feel when a lot of these comments get directed towards your dad and you? And he was like, to me, that's dumb of them to do that because they're giving us added motivation to go out there and try to beat them. And so now we want to win more. And now it's we're going even harder to go out there and get the W because we want to stick it to them, essentially. And... I thought Lanning, although he flat out had the better football team, that showed within those lines that day. The fact that he didn't allow things to get muddied up by a back and forth between him and Coach Prime, which nine and a half times out of ten, you're never going to win that back and forth battle. He did it in the pregame when Prime and Colorado didn't have time to be able to react outside of within those lines and with those pads. And he obviously was confident that his boys was going to be able to take care of business in that regard. That before the game. They were on the field warming up. That's that my point. That's my point. They didn't get to react, but we all saw it on the internet, which – Still, in some cases, sold the game because he did it pregame. ESPN had all access. He allowed the access. That's a significant to note, too. He allowed the access of ESPN. Now, although I didn't see it until after the yeah, game like that, that, that those it comments. Clicks. It's like you brought a camera crew. But although <laughs> I didn't see that until after the game, the only reason I didn't see it until after the game because you, don't, you might as well not, no, no, no. You might as well not even bring your cell phone to Austin Stadium because nobody has service at that place. And I usually go to Ducks games and I'm up in the press booth. So I've had Wi-Fi access. So I didn't quite know what that was like to not have Wi-Fi access in Austin Stadium. Nobody fo- nobody's phone worked in that place, maybe except for Phil Knights. I mean, it was that bad. Cell service, non-existent at that game. But the first thing that I saw on my timeline when I finally got some service was that, which means it was circulating and spreading all throughout the game, bringing more eyes onto it as the game was progressing. And again, by this time, the Colorado, the only reaction that you could do is whatever it is that you bring in on the field this week. I thought that was a brilliant move by Coach Lanning. I'm not offended by what it is that he said. And I have an increased amount of respect for him as a head coach, not just because of the X's and O's piece, but he won that chess match between him and Coach Prime that week. And to me, that says big time. I got to give him credit for that. Yeah, hell yeah. And, you know, also, like, 
that's, you know, that's what it was supposed to be. Like, you're a football guy. You know that. Like, yeah. you're not surprised by Oregon beating Colorado. Right. You're a football person. And most football people would have already known that anyway. So I don't think that, you know, there's no, there's no uh, you're not walking away from that one feeling like you revealed something about Deion Sanders or about Dan Lanning. Everybody came in who they were yeah. before they came in. And Colorado is not a team that can stand up to Oregon. And that's just what it is. Now, Oregon's got aspirations to go to the playoffs. Yeah, so for sure. So that that's where they're, that's where their heads at. And Dion, I mean, he's got organization to, to carry out his purpose in life. And that's to coach these kids and whatever else he does. And oh, so, he want to win too. And he's getting there. He's still three and one. He's, he's still got, he's still three and one. He's still, three still, and he's one. still got a lot. For sure. Way to he's, do. For sure. He's in year one and he flipped the team. That was one and 11 last year. He knows he has work to do. And he's been acknowledging that acknowledging that one thing in the sure, weeks we're past. We're still going to be watching him. That's why I said nothing <laughs> yeah, wavered yeah, yeah. in regards to still my support watching. for him and that team. Do next so, but I do want to give landing a shout out because I was paying close attention to that chess match last week. We even talked about it here on this podcast. And damn it, he won that. He cleared that chess match. On that note, we are going to get out of here the only way that we know how. And that is to stay woke and go win. Mm-hmm.